Thank you so much for tuning in to the Defending Christianity podcast. I'm your host, Levi Dade, and in this podcast, we aim to talk about the evidence and reasons for why the Christian faith is true and why it is good. We do this with the hope to encourage the church to engage the culture around us and to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus as 1 Peter 3.15 commands. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. So going on to our second objection, um, a loving God wouldn't send people to hell. This is really interesting to me. There's a way to go about answering this from a Christian standpoint that we need to be gracious to because this is a moral objection where some people might have some kind of sensitivity to it um, and actually seek to answer it in a loving way as Christians should always do. Um, But before we get into the details, what's the attitude that Christians need to have when they encounter people who say this? Obviously loving, but but how can we actually, like, well, what does that look like? Because some some Christians get defensive when they hear that. Yeah. Um, You you know, in doing apologetics, whether we're answering a question or responding to an objection, I think we we should always be harmonious and not abrasive or defensive, because um, even the atheist that kind of attacks and talk, maybe talks trash on Christianity, we, we shouldn't respond with uh, harshness. I mean, I, I think we need to intellectually firmly stand our ground, but, but remember we represent the Lord and um, you know, Dr. Geisler, Norm Geisler, who's he's in heaven now, but he was a professor and a friend. And he said, uh, never make an argument to be one more important than a person to be loved. And his posture was always it's not you versus me, but it's us together on a journey toward truth. So um, we yeah, I mean, that's that's powerful. Hey, you know, First Peter 2.15. Now, we often think about First Peter 3.15, be ready always to give an answer. But First Peter 2.15 says, this is the will of God that by doing well, you will put to silence the arguments of foolish men. So oh, I love that. Isn't that wild? First Peter 3.15 uh, really says, you know, do apologetics. But First Peter 2.15 uh, we are an apologetic. If we live and carry ourselves like Jesus, that's a pretty powerful witness of the reality of the gospel's life-changing power. But now, about hell. See, here's the thing. If, if somebody abandons the Bible because of the fact that it teaches about hell, uh, in fact, Jesus himself, the only man that ever rose from the dead, warned I mean, read Luke 16, read Matthew 7, 21 through 24. Uh, Jesus, who promised heaven, also warned about hell. And there is a lot of things we can say. Some people are like, well, I don't like the idea of this because maybe a loved one they cared about died and was lost. But the thing about it is, for one thing, none of us really knows the condition of another person's heart. Jeremiah 17, uh, we barely even know our own heart. And even if we did, let's say that your closest friend, you definitively knew that they are not in heaven. Well, even so, by, by you being lost and also going to hell, that doesn't fix anything. And so uh, there are a lot of people that they think they know about the eternal destiny of another person. And in reality, they don't. Then another thing people say, well, if 
Kirk Cobain or John Lennon is not in heaven. I would be miserable, so I don't want to be in heaven. Look, uh, I assure you, when you see that beatific vision of Jesus, the last thing you're going to be thinking about is Christopher Hitchens or John Lennon. I mean, when you see the face of Jesus, um, anything from this world is going to be forgotten. And so um, don't miss heaven because of your misconception about what it will or won't be or what you will or won't be thinking. But here's the other thing. People deny God and they'll say, well, there is no God. Okay, fair enough. But if there is no God, there is no moral code. There is no objective right or wrong. There's, in fact, without God, there's no good or bad. There's just stuff. So I've had atheists, and the in, the inconsistencies of this, sometimes they seem to miss, but they'll say, uh, I don't believe in God or eternity, because if God sends people to hell, that's wrong. Well, for one thing, if, if God, who made human beings, allows them to exercise their free choice, you know, existence is a good attribute. Uh, the ability to make moral choices, that's a good attribute. Sadly, if humans use their good capabilities for wrong things, that's not God's fault. So um, the final thing I would say on this point, C.S. Lewis, even <laughs> 70 years ago, they were asking Lewis, well, if there is a heaven, everybody should go there. And C.S. Lewis would say, really, against their will? Because, look, there, there have been people that didn't want to go to heaven, like novel. God will force you into heaven against your will. He's too loving. <laughs> yeah. God is loving enough. He made us in his image. We have the ability to make moral decisions. And while Christ offers salvation, he doesn't force it. And like an Adolf Hitler or a Nietzsche or a Voltaire, if someone is bound and determined not to go to heaven, God's not going to make you. Uh, yeah, I agree. And also, I think C.S. Lewis kind of, I don't remember how he allude, he's, illustrates this, but kind of alludes to that because we're, you know, we're born in sin, we're already destined for hell. God gives us the way out of that. Hell, we're already locked in from, from the inside, you know? He gives us the key for us to come out and into the this presence with him. Uh, yeah. So so it's not that he sends us there. We're already on our way there because we're born yeah, exactly. in sin. But by being a fallen sinner, uh, we're on this highway and there's a big sign that says the bridge is out, but there's an off ramp. So let's say that there's there's a, a sign that says, look, we, we are the highway department. This is your last warning. There's an exit ramp. And, and this is your last chance to exit off this highway. But if you go beyond this exit ramp, the bridge is out. You will crash. And you might say, you know what? The highway department has given me this warning, but I choose to ignore it. It's not the highway department's fault if you reject the exit ramp and you drive on off the cliff and well, why, you're right we're fallen sinners but there's there's an exit ramp towards safety and it's called the gospel of the lord jesus christ amen there's so much more we could say about that but we need to move on to our third objection that people are basically good i assume this is saying that people are good enough to get into heaven on their own 
So let's talk about what leads people to think that they're good enough. Is that is that what you were saying when you well when you wrote yeah, that? Yeah. We're in a legal universe, and the Christian doctrine of sin says that we're guilty before God. We have unrighteousness. Now that doesn't mean that people can't do things that are morally good. Even an atheist can buy a meal for a homeless person. You know, even an unsaved person can help a little old lady across a busy street. So mm-hmm. even sinners can do things that are morally good, but that doesn't absolve us of our guilt before God. Because, mm-hmm. see, remember I talked about the imputed righteousness of Jesus? Well, we have the imputed unrighteousness of Adam and Eve. See, we're sinners by birth. We're sinners by choice. And by the way, Levi, a lot of people don't talk about this, but one of the reasons that God is eternal, you know, God is forever. And the Bible says God is righteous and in him is no darkness at all. See, because Mm -hmm. sin is a lot of things, but sin is that which brings death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Part, Part of the reason that God is eternal is because there is no sin in God. So God could not let sin into heaven because it would cease to be heaven. And just Mm -hmm. as we're in this world of entropy, decay, and death, heaven would become a place of entropy, decay, and death. So there's no sin nor sinners going to be in heaven. If you want to go to heaven, you've got to be righteous, and you get that way through faith in Jesus. I think what comes from that kind of line of thinking is that that they don't think about the moral standard that God requires to be in his presence, which is morally perfect. And in Isaiah, he says that, you know, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. And people sometimes interpret that as uh, logically or intellectually higher than our ways. But if the context suggests that it's um, morally, um, his moral ways are higher than our ways and his moral thoughts are higher than our moral thoughts. Um, So I think that even when you think that you've got that standard, there's something, you know, I think that when people kind of think that they can make that standard and they approach it, I even said this in in the last season, that that creates pride in them and that knocks them down from that standard automatically. So even if you think that you make it, you still didn't because that's going to make you a prideful person. Amen. Right on, man. You're you're absolutely right. We need Jesus. Um, to meet that standard. So our final objection is Christians are all hypocrites. Where do we go to answer that? Because that seems to stop some Christians in their tracks. Hmm. Yeah, Christians are all hypocrites. I'm a hypocrite. (laughs) Now, we're we're saved, forgiven hypocrites, but we're still hypocrites. You know, um, Sadly, about a year ago, Ravi Zacharias died, and after he died posthumously, it came out about this horribly, um, you know, dark double life he led. And I had quite a number of people. I knew Ravi. I've got. I've still got his cell phone number. I've got two cell phone numbers and a personal email. I mean, I knew Ravi. He spoke at our conferences, and sadly, this articulate um, orator was living a very dark, sinful, double life. Even his daughter has put videos on YouTube. She said, it's all true. My dad did those things. So people have called me, Levi, and they've said, like, 
you know, oh my goodness, I accepted Christ at a Ravi Zacharias event years and years ago. Am I really saved? I had a guy call me from the West Coast. He's like, I reject Christianity. I was a believer, but now I'm going to walk away because Ravi was a fraud. And here's the thing. So Ravi was a hypocrite. He preached one way, but he lived another way. To one degree or another, every every believer's done that from Peter to the rest of us. You know, Peter denied Jesus, but then he preached at Pentecost. Here's the thing. Um, I'm not asking you to accept a Christian who might let you down, but Christ who never will. I asked some of the people, some of the people that have been having a faith crisis in the aftermath of the revelations about Ravi, I said, look, if Ravi was the world's most exemplary Christian, Mother Teresa and Billy Graham put together, if if Ravi was the best Christian ever, would that make Jesus more risen? Conversely, if Ravi is the worst Christian who lied and sinned, does that make Jesus less risen? And the answer is no on both accounts. Now, sadly, I'll put it this way. Deal Moody, the great Christian leader of the 19th century, Deal Moody said this, out of 100 people, one might read the Bible, but 99 will read the Christian. See, mm-hmm. Christians being hypocrites is is to be expected because sinners sin. But the bad thing is a lost world that ought to have their eyes on Christ very often has their eyes on Christians. And honestly, in in a purely theological sense, um, hypocritical Christians is a non-issue because um, the gospel does not say, believe in the risen Lord Jesus and a church that is, you know, consistently obedient. The Bible says believe in Jesus. Whether or not the Christ, I mean, the, the facticity of Jesus is in no way contingent on the behavior of Christians. But in the eyes of a feeble, skeptical world, the failures of Christians, they translate that to mean the failure of of Christ, and that that doesn't necessarily follow at all. But I will yeah, say this does. because because people are watching, we ought to walk right. Yeah, and if not for the people, for your own relationship with God, which you should, which should be the first priority. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, so so definitely, and and our disobedience, which is going to happen because we're still in this fall world and where that's just going to happen but it doesn't invalidate christ's resurrection or the gospel exactly so i agree uh so it looks like we're about out of time but um dr mcfarland thank you so much for being with us today and thank you for all you've done for the kingdom thank you for allowing me to interview you it's been an honor um to our listeners, be sure to, to download the AFA app, the AFR app, and listen to Exploring the Word and other programs that they have on there. You'll, you will be blessed. And be sure to check out the book, The Ten Most Common Objections of Christianity by Alex McFarland. Dr. McFarland, is there any last words or encouragement you would like to tell our listeners about just defending the faith and all things relative to apologetics and spiritual and uh, spirituality? Well, Levi, again, I want to say thank you. I applaud what you're doing, and I look forward to seeing all the great ways God is going to use you in the years ahead. Um, I believe the Lord's hand is on your life, and He's given you a, a good mind 
and a good voice, and God is going to use you greatly. Um, we have our next Truth for a New Generation conference, our, our, oh golly, like 47th major citywide event. It's going to be October 15 through 17 in the fall of 2021, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, First Baptist Church of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Frank Turek is going to be there, Sandy Rios, mm. and many other speakers. And I want to invite everybody to come and they can get complete information at my own website, which is alexmcfarland.com. Awesome. I'll be sure to put a link for that down there in the description of the episode as well. And I'm actually interviewing Dr. Frank Turk tomorrow. So that's going to be fun to, to have that exchange. He's, he's one of the best. Well, y'all, you both did amazing in the God Who Speaks documentary. I, I love um, what y'all contribute to that. Um, I watch it frequently. So um, thank you again for being with us today. And I'm looking forward to hearing you on Exploring the Word. God bless you, my friend. Thanks, Levi. Let's let's visit again soon. I'd love to. Thanks. Have a good one. See you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Finning Christianity Podcast. I hope and pray that you were encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And if you're someone who's seeking truth, I hope and pray that you have gotten closer to that because Jesus is the truth. Join us next time on the Defending Christianity Podcast. God bless.